You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. a.k.a. Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you've ever seen, boy, and you're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. What up, though, everybody? This is Kyle, and you are back watching, listening, consuming, whatever the hell you're doing to check out Knockouts and Three Counts. And as always, I am back once again, joined by Corey. How in the fuck are you doing on this fine Tuesday, bro? Lovely Tuesday, man. In the Christmas spirit. Ready for it to be here, man. Got these kids all excited. Elves have been working hard this Christmas. I'm sure all you parents out there understand what I'm talking about. Other than that, though, man, I'm just, I'm ready. I want to get this one last day of work out the way and on to the the Christmas festivities, man. What about you? Uh, I'm in the same boat, dude. I got to work tomorrow, and then this holiday pretty much worked out in my favor to where because my day off is Thursday, Christmas Eve is, I'm off, and then... You know, Christmas Eve, I'm off, and then I'm off Christmas Day because it's Christmas Day. So it works out good for me, man. I get a couple days off, and God, is it much needed, man. I'm just looking forward to kicking it with the family. But speaking of kicking it, we were kicking it this past weekend, and uh, there were a lot of fights and a lot of shit that was going on. So which one do you want to jump into first? For those of you who are in the live feed, yes, we are supposed to be joined by the rude boy, Rudy Hill, to talk about IBW Seasons Beatings, which is going down on December 24th, Christmas Eve, on Rocks TV on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see the link in the description. Um, yeah, Corey, so which one do you want to tackle first? Are we talking about the fights or are we talking about Submission Underground? So, well, definitely going to at least start with the UFC card. And um, I'm going to full-on jack off one of my favorite shows. Um, You're going to jack off one of your favorite shows? Yeah, what? You mean jack r- off one of your jack. favorite shows? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to jack, jack, as in steal it. But what I'm going to do is steal the headline that they use. Man, these old men can still fight, huh? Yeah, don't, dude. Don't ever count a vet out, man. Between Wonder Boy, between Aldo, I mean... It was just a a night – it was a showcase of the vets out there. It was really the experience against the young guys. And unfortunately for them, a lot of the young guys weren't able to uh, pull it off. But I was just so impressed with Wonderboy. Honestly, that's where I feel like I was most impressed over the week. Um, His ability to hit, not get hit, even after the headbutt, I mean, that was a significant cut over both of their eyes and the fact that he was able to almost play off it like it was nothing and just 
continue on fighting. I mean, and not only continue fighting, but fight his game in and out at what, what 37, I believe. And he's still got foot movement like that. Still got the quickness, still have the, the speed advantage on these guys. I was, I'm incredibly pr- impressed, honestly. I mean, how can you not be impressed with that? I think <laughs> Jeff Neal, you know, it was big, it was big step, step up for him to be going in there mm-hmm. against a guy like Wonder Boy. Uh, but I think Wonder Boy showed why Wonder Boy, even though, on, like he said, he doesn't want to be seen as a gatekeeper for this division. But, I mean, he shows why they always have to keep him at the top of the weight class. I mean, dude, they banged it out, but he just showed that he was superior in the technique uh, yeah. department for me on that one. I think that was the biggest difference is just the fact that he really was showing, you know, that difference in – Difference in skill sets, man. Different in skill levels. Um, like I said, man, it was a great performance by him. Uh, you know, another thing to talk about off that card, we had, you know, the man who's been really making some waves from here in Michigan. Chaos Williams stepped up again uh, yep. to fight on that card. Um, he lost by decision in this one, you know, but quite a lot of people are saying they thought that Chaos won that fight. For all of you guys who are just joining the stream, yes, uh, Rudy Hill, the rude boy, is supposed to be joining us here shortly to talk about IBW season's beatings. But if any of you guys checked out the UFC, let us know in the comments what you thought. Um, I was really hoping Chaos being a hometown boy, he was going to get another dub. Um, I know you saw it for his opponent. What are your thoughts on that fight now that we're a few days removed from it? Well, like you said, I mean, we watched the card together. I kind of, and I'm, I want to preference this with I'm a huge, um, chaos williams fan um not only with what he was able to do in his last couple wins but even uh just the way he carries himself in and out of the octagon the way that he presents himself he's he's very cocky confident but not above and beyond he uh i I really like the way he carries himself especially for a fellow uh michigander slash uh detroit area man but um yeah, I, I did score it for uh, Michelle Pereira. Um, I thought he, uh, I thought he just did a little more. I, I feel like chaos when chaos was causing chaos and getting in there and throwing combos and actually getting in his face. I thought he was doing an incredible job, but he was kind of almost looking for that exact moment to strike too much instead of just trying to imply he was his hunting too much rather than kind of just letting it flow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was looking. He was looking to try to land that knockout blow at any given point, and I just, I don't think he found that point throughout the whole fight. That's one thing when you're fighting somebody like that who's super elusive. I mean, we we just referred to it with the main event fight. You, that's one thing you cannot do. You have to you have to apply the pressure. That was the same thing when Jeff Neal was able to get some success off against Wonder Boy is when he applied his own pressure. Um, you kind of hear it a lot when you uh, watch these interviews for fighters and stuff. They say uh, they don't train for their opponent. They train to implement their game on their opponent. And that's I, I feel like that's what uh, a lot of these elusive guys, that's kind of what you have to do. You know? I agree with you on that one, man. It's just like the thing is, man, it's like the old saying, you know, especially in boxing more so you're always taught this, like, you know, you can't go in looking for a knockout. If you go in looking for a knockout, like you just said, you could be waiting for the perfect moment, uh, you know, that may never come. Um, Speaking of a guy, you know, who has gotten 
the flow of fighting down real well. Another guy who's coming off a dub here now, uh, Anthony Pettis fought last night, and now it's just been announced that he's leaving the UFC to leave for what maybe might be greener pastures in Bellator. Uh, for any of you guys that are watching, let us know in the comments what your thoughts are on this one with Anthony Pettis leaving the UFC. Uh, Corey, I don't know. For me, man, I'm not really surprised by the move uh, with his brother Sergio already being over there. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air. I, I don't see – I mean, short of Pitbull, there's nobody really at 155 who's going to mess with Anthony Pettis. I'm sorry. There's just not. Agreed. I, in my Agreed. personal opinion, outside of Pitbull, which is going to be a title fight, there ain't nobody else that he ain't going to just walk in there and smack him. I'm sorry. I just, I, I'm, I, no disrespect to the Bellator division. The only fight, I, here's one for you. You want to know who I want to see him fight? Bring him in and let him fight Miles. That's what I want. I was, I was just going to say, I was already going to, I was going to beat you to it, but especially the fact that he hasn't had a fight booked yet and that he's kind of, I, I haven't seen anything. And that fight was like already supposed to be booked in the UFC. Yeah. So, That'd be a hell of a matchup. Um, it really would. Um, I'd love to see it personally. I mean, not just not just because well, he's a you know friend fight, of the dude. show, but I, I think that would be the perfect setup into into the Bellator. I think that would be like a hey, you know, you guys are both former UFC guys at this point. You guys are both still in the prime ages of your career, but have been fighting for a while. You know, so. Who's still got it? Who who's bringing it to the table? And, and you know who's got it on the night, especially. You know, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, ultimately, and here's the other flip side to that. Okay, so yeah, I would love to see Miles and uh, Anthony Pettis fight, man. But here's the thing: so Anthony Pettis would my the question is, will Miles take that fight? Yes, is it a big name fight, but will he take that fight? Because if you remember, after Miles' last fight, he said that he feels like the next fight for him is a title shot. So, I think not to not to interrupt you, uh, but I, I feel like the next fight for him should either be somebody like that, a new signee that has some serious name value, or a tournament fight. And we went over with that with him. If uh, you guys go, pet, ah. if you guys go check out the past show that we did with him just a couple months back, actually we talked about that—the fact that a tournament might be a real option. You know, Bellator's kind of known for it. And talk about adding another name into a tournament bracket—I think that would be an incredible one. I mean, I would love it. I mean, like I said, any way they insert Anthony Pettis into that 155-pound division for them is great. Uh, what, however that shakes out, I mean, I would love to see Miles and Anthony fight. I mean, like I said, it was already supposed to be booked in the UFC. Uh, if they run it here in Bellator, I like it. I especially like this fight almost better now than I did originally. And, uh, again, mm-hmm. call it bias, call it what you want. You know, I mean, obviously we're a little uh, partial towards Miles on this side of town. But, uh, you know, that being said, it's – could you see somebody like Anthony Pettis going over and contending with Rory McDonald for their uh, 170 PFL tournament? I know he said he wants to. I mean, they said that they're not, you know, did did he sign officially with Bellator or anybody yet? No, or did he just... no, he just got released today. He And it wasn't even a release. It was a mutual part of ways. So I think that kind of speaks to the fact that he's been almost planning this 
or maybe the UFC kind of told him, hey, you make a good chunk of money. You see the direction we're moving in with younger guys. and You have a real shot to still do something with your career. You know, I, I, I personally would love to know those details. And I don't think that takes away from anything with Anthony Pettis either. I think he deserves to go out there and make some money. It's kind of like uh, almost like what they did with um, Eddie Alvarez uh, when he left and went, you know, shopping himself around to go make some more money. Um, I think that's kind of the same type of situation, but I would, I would love to see him in PFL. I really think that's a huge name. That would be a huge signing. I I agree. His brother already being in Bellator really kind of shows like, but he could be like, he could be the big name for them coming in over there to PFL, you know, and that being said, you know, I mean, like you said, I wasn't sure if they had announced the name yet. I know um, PFL has been thrown, you know, has been thrown around for quite a bit, but I mean, it's something that Dana has talked about on multiple occasions though. Uh, he's talked about that in the next coming months, there's going to be 50 to 60 cuts in the UFC. And a lot of those names that are going to be on there are going to be the old vets. I mean, we just saw Yoel Romero. Now, to be honest with you, I'm honestly surprised that he signed with a Bellator over, uh, bare knuckle FC, but I I, I really kind of thought that was where he's going to go, but that bare knuckle out there savaging people. Like, I mean, Granted, I, I love bare knuckle, but a lot of their people are on the older scale of the career, you know, um, talk about a beast over there. He could really have lit that whole division up. I, I wonder if that was, they didn't, they couldn't match offers or if he was just more interested in still, you know, staying in the MMA range. Um, it's just, there's a huge, like you said, it's a, giant landscape of releases and signees and new faces, old faces getting recycled into new organizations. It's going to be interesting over this next year to see where every, where the cards kind of shuffle. You know what I mean? I, I, I agree with you, man. There's a lot that, you know, we kind of got to see where it goes. Um, you've got a lot of that on the wrestling end too, man. Uh, and speaking about wrestling for any of you guys that are tuning in, expecting to see Rudy rude boy Hill, just so you know, you can go ahead, check all of our social medias. Rudy was supposed to be on this show. Don't know where he is. We just talked to him about an hour or so before we went on air. Like I said, hopefully we'll be seeing him so that we can talk about IBW Seasons Beatings, which is going down December 24th, Christmas Eve, on Rocks TV on YouTube. Uh, but since we're talking about wrestling a little bit, there's a lot of that that's, I think, the thing that makes me most intrigued to see what happens going into 2021. Um, Corey, I don't know how much you've seen of it, but there's been a lot of talk this week on the wrestling end of things that we've heard that the USA executives have specifically demanded that they want more of an adult content from WWE on Raw because the stuff that they're coming out with has become even too corny, apparently, for the USA execs which for a wrestling fan, I'm just saying, I like that. I think we've already seen a little bit of that. Cause I mean, we haven't seen nothing like this since Kane caught the undertaker on fire mm-hmm. fucking 20 years ago. Uh, Randy Orton faced the fiend in a firefly Funhouse inferno match, which you don't see too many inferno matches as it is. Um, the fiend got caught on fire, like a fucking, uh, 
Yeah, the fiend got caught on fire. His shit was burning pretty good. I mean, he had a coat on <laughs> and all, but my man's my man's was uh, my man's was lit up. Uh, don't know what really else to say about it, but my man's was lit up. So that, he was on fire. That, that's a very very interesting directional twist. All right, so from what I do remember when I was a kid, I remember SmackDown kind of being the more PC, you know. Well, the yeah, blue they were on the, UPN. The blue and white, you know, they, they had the clean look. Raw was raw in your raw face. Work. You know, they were like, you know, the theme song hit different. Everything about it was just a little different. And so if that's the direction they're going to go, I completely support it because I feel like that's, that must have been a direction they abandoned throughout the years then because that's well, dude, you know, I mean, that's been the reason why nobody wants to watch raw i mean that's the stark contrast between why people are saying smackdown is so much better than raw in that raw the storylines for the vast majority other than maybe like your main two have been like it just it ain't been it hasn't made any sense there's no continuity in it there's no like you know it doesn't you know, like, like we've talked about before, give me a reason why these guys are fighting, you know, like the Randy Orton thing with Bray Wyatt. Perfect. Because you've got the history with them. Corey, let me give you a quick history of a lesson so you can understand why the Inferno match was such a big deal. Uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt already have um, a history um, that culminated in Randy Lighton, uh, the house where sister Abigail was buried on fire before. So that's why them going into an inferno match is interesting. Um, Randy Orton was also uh tag champions and part of like infiltrated the Wyatt family before he took on uh, Bray Wyatt. So they had a pass going into it, but you know, for so long wrestling fans have been complaining because it's so crazy, right? You'll watch raw and you see this corny, like, for lack of a better way to put it, you see this corny, this kitty bullshit on Raw, but then you watch Wednesday when you've got NXT and AEW going head-to-head, and as we've spoke about before, even though they're supposed to be the quote-unquote developmental brand, I mean... They're, they're the ones out here breaking necks and cashing right. checks, you know? Right, the you know what I mean? The like that's, that's the show from, that, if I'm being honest with so, you, has been the better. From... Being slightly more immersed, you know, obviously the fact that I do a now 50-50 podcast with wrestling, I'm significantly more immersed than I was just a couple months ago. And um, one thing I definitely have noticed is I don't see too much of the raw stuff. Like you said, like uh, whenever I see anything like shared on Twitter or anything like that, it always does seem to kind of be the NXT stuff is the most popular uh, out of all of it. And from what I see at least, which is, which is surprising because like you say, it's supposed to be the developmental, but obviously people are liking what they're seeing. I mean, that's, I, it amazes me. It really does. That's one thing that that actually is genuinely surprising. They're so different. (laughs) Yeah. That's one thing that genuinely like honestly surprised me with wrestling was the fact that like, there's a significant more amount of eyes on the up and comers than there is on the stars. It feels like, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that like 
star power is always a great thing to have, whether it comes from, you know, old vet guys in the locker room or whomever it comes from. That's great. You know, that's always something that can be used. But if you overuse it and you're trying to, like, basically live off the star power of somebody like we talked about in one of our uh, last week's show with Derek, you know, we talked about Roman Reigns versus Goldberg and the match they're putting together with that. They're hoping that the match, that the fact that it's Goldberg, people are going to be like, holy shit, it's Goldberg. And you know what I mean? When here's where you have the stark differences. This is where's the, the where there's the big difference between an NXT and a Raw, right? Raw, you get a lot more of your casual fans. So people who, you know, they're going to watch, you know, they don't, they don't watch it so hard. So they just look at what they're seeing on the TV to where somebody like me or people who watch it, you know, regularly, you know, they're watching it and you're like, well, dude, this shit is garbage. While on the other hand, you've got WWE, you know, say what you want about their growth, say what you want about their TV numbers and ratings and all that kind of shit, say what you want. But if you want to talk about biggest social media presences and biggest presences in media, like they have the biggest fucking YouTube channel in the world. <laughs> That's bigger than NFL, ESPN, NBA, MLB, all wow. them motherfuckers. Who, who again? You said Raw? WWE. Oh, WWE. WWE as a whole has okay. a bigger okay. YouTube channel than okay. any other fucking channel. Okay. You know, and I mean, that right there tells you what you need to know. The fact that they're still on that big, a broad scale. But I feel like that's also kind of became their crutch because they have been the industry leader for so long that now that you have a number two who maybe AEW is never going to take WWE over. They're Mm -hmm. not. But they are making, and it's not even arguable, since AEW has come on the scene and there's a viable second option for guys to be going to and things of that nature, WWE knows they're there. There's a reason why. Question. Uh, And one thing I've noticed with that too, is it seems like AEW has a significantly smaller roster. Like they have a lot more repeating fight, you know, wrestlers out there, you know, night to night where, WWE has got the the broader roster, so it seems like they're doing a really good job with the fact of having the smaller roster. They're they're able to push these stories of people a lot further, and you can get a lot more in character with the single people because of the fact that it's not as many. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's not so much the roster. I think it's that three hours is too long. Okay. That's an interesting take though, because I, yes, here's the reason as a huge UFC fan though, I sit down and watch the six and a half hour damn cards all the time. So, right. But, but here's the difference though. UFC mm -hmm. is built up off of wanting to see two guys fight, which is what wrestling is supposed to be built up on. But here's Mm -hmm. the problem, right? In three hours, you've only got so much time. You've got commercials, you got all that. And you got to fit all, you got to fit 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag. And to try to make it to where everybody's shit makes sense, they aren't doing a good job at that anymore. I, where, I tell you one thing as a, as a newer like person back to viewing it at all, essentially, uh, one thing I really do not like is that picture and picture. Uh, I hate the, picture and picture. That commercial, I say that that commercial all the, time. the way that they just uh, will literally, 
it's it's a smaller window than I am on this, you know, on your phone right now. It seems like whoever's watching this, you know, than it is the the ads, the whole screen. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Why even do picture in picture? Just do a shorter ad, charge more, do whatever you have to do. Give them full head right. I, I don't know, but I, that's not the right way to go about it in my bro. Eyes. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that stuff at all. I say it all the time. I've said it on multiple occasions ever since they started doing it. I don't like the way AEW does it. I don't like NXT doing it. I, I I'm not a fan of picture in picture. Especially because here, here's the thing. I feel like you can almost get away with it more so in an MMA context than you can in pro wrestling. Here's why MMA. You don't really need to hear the crowd, right? Right. If you're watching a wrestling match and a spot happens and some big shit happens and you're not watching it. Now, granted, there are not crowds in the arenas right now, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying we're talking about on general to why I don't like picture in picture. When there are crowds, if something happens, you can't hear the crowd fucking lose their shit, you know, and realize that something is that big of a deal. I feel like, to me, it takes away from the impact, and to me, they're just too distracting. I get why you would do it from a marketing standpoint. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, people might watch more of the commercials because the match is still on there, but for me, I end up fast-forwarding them most of the time. Well, all right, so creative marketing thought here. With uh, everybody doing the essentially the Thunderdome type setup where it's all screens and stuff surrounding them, what if they did picture in in your picture, if you get what I'm saying? Like they put an ad up on the screen behind the actual match, but the match was still... Nah, like, they, that would never work because then, uh, you know, from an ad revenue perspective, standpoint i feel like the people that you're selling those ads to would say that they're not getting you know their money's worth on the ad i feel see i feel like i feel like it would be the opposite because like you just said how many of those ads did you skip through you're not going to skip through it if it's actual like the match is still going on you can hear the promotion but instead of it being a, a screen of fans behind them it's a geico you know for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever of the match. Geico has stepped their game up, sir. I mean, I just listened to a podcast today at work that was completely sponsored by Geico. Like it says Geico presents something to wrestle with. And I'm like, damn, Geico is just saying, fuck fuck the ad. We're going to just take the whole show. (laughs) I I am in love with uh, the deal that I get with progressive, but uh, Geico, if you want to step it up and, uh, Come on, I got progressive too, man. But hey, I will gladly switch my insurance to Geico if you would like to get down with knockouts and three counts. Clearly, I've always loved didn't want to get down with us, but I mean, hey, they're they're so cool. They crawl. This one talks. I mean, come on, Geico, where you at? Andy's got a badass accent too. (laughs) What? So so back to the action though. Because I feel like one thing we do really need to talk about while we uh, we got these people's attention to still before we go ranting off too much. The UFC is going crazy with uh, releasing all their matchups, man. I, I don't know if you took a peep at all these matchups. I know I had a you know short little talk with you before the show about it, but they're uh, 
rebooking, moving, doing everything they can, and they're setting up all kinds of stuff. Did you did you see the uh, the three card week that they have set up for their return? No, I didn't. They're gonna do essentially what they did uh, when they came back from the COVID break, which was uh, the Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday event. Which say that um, again. The Saturday, Wednesday, and then Saturday. So th- three cards, one week. They're, when um, is that going down? That's going to be their opening when they come back. Oh, from when they come layout. back, they're from, kicking it off with three cards in a week. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be headlined. Headlined, of course. Card subject, yeah, card subject to change with everything going on in the world right now. I mean, I'm sure I ain't got to tell any of your real fans that, but. uh we got in the first headliner, we got Max Holloway, Calvin Cater. Hell of a fight. That's a love, love that matchup. That's the love that matchup. Not only to see if Cater's the guy, but to see if Holloway is still the uncrowned champ, you know, I, in my eyes that he really is, you know, when then, then they step right back with the rebooking. Is of, he, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute though. You uh-huh. can't call Max Holloway the uncrowned champ. Because Volkanovski won fair and square. Did you score either of those fights for him, Tom? I thought Holloway won, but it wasn't like fucking, I mean, it wasn't like Volkanovski didn't come in there to fight. Andy beat him twice. Did you score either? Did I score or did judges score? My score doesn't mean shit. They fought twice, Agreed. and twice it ended up on the scorecards. That's why they always say don't leave it to the judges. It don't matter if you and I come on here and Monday morning quarterback the shit and say, Volkanovski well, won. What about? Because it don't fucking what matter. Because he got not, the belt. What about if it's not me and you, though? What if? What about if it's Big John McCarthy coming on saying, I'm the one that wrote the rules, and Max Holloway won that fight? Okay, but did Max I mean, Holloway go fight it with the commission? No, because I don't think Max Holloway is that kind of guy. And I right, also but and ultimately, though, he's the only one that's going to speak his mind for it because who the fuck else is going I, to? Volkanovski surely ain't. I love what Max said, too, because he was campaigning to get a third fight, and Dana would even push uh, Volkanovski to try to get a third fight. Um, he said if it was Jordan and Kobe and it was a one-on-one game, they would play 100 times until they figured out who the real winner was. You know what I mean? So you, so, do you think that Volkanovski's scared is what we're getting at? No, I do not. Not even a little bit. And I, even though I say that I think Max is the rightful champ, I do not. I, I say that as much not trying to take away from Volkanovski as I can. Because I really respect the guy. I really like the the man himself, the way he fights in the cage. He really does, like you said, bring the fight. Um He's he's an absolute monster, and if you look back on his resume, it even shines even brighter now. Looking at like what Aldo did coming off the weekend and stuff like that, I mean, he talk Volkan- about Aldo. Volkanovski. Volkanovski's a deserving champ. I think Holloway won. I also think I got no. Uh, here, you fight a man twice in a row. I have no problem with you wanting to fight somebody else, even if the world sees it different than the judges did. 
I, well, and that's I, all I'm saying. I'm not even saying that I didn't necessarily that I necessarily didn't think that Holloway won. But the thing is, ultimately, mm-hmm. they fought twice, and twice they came out with the decision that yeah. Volkanovski won. Now, if nothing else, I got no problem with Max staying up in the top of it. But give Max yeah. another fight. For all of you guys that are watching this, if if you've got something else to say about it, and you think that somebody else should be fighting him, or you got a different plan for Max Holloway, let us know. You brought well, up. I both- love- I love the the Calvin Cater matchup. I really oh, do. I agree. I like it. I, I would. I like that any matchup of the too. top contenders. I I truly feel as though that's an awesome fight. That's another fight. While we're still on the Volkanovski thing, though, before we jump around, I wanted to mention that's another fight that's getting announced. Brian uh, T City Ortega's taking on Volkanovski in February. I'm not so, mad at that either. Because how can you say that yeah. uh, Ortega don't deserve a title fight? He fucking demolished demolished we're not talking about beat we're talking about this man cut his hair off and came out looking like a motherfucking savage that's what we're talking about this man cut his hair off and went samurai mode real quick he cut his hair off and went samurai mode real quick you see the shirt it says protect your neck you should have protected everything when it came to brian t city ortega in that fight That All was, right. I, that was so I really like that fight, that and that fight really intrigues me. But another fight that we got to talk about from UFC Vegas 17 is Jose Aldo coming out and reminding motherfuckers, y'all must have forgot. I'm just saying, Jose Aldo came out and showed what's good yep. on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was nasty, dude. I mean, I how did – all right. How did you score it? Did you give Did you give Cheeto the second round or no? That would have been the only round I could have really seen him getting. Yeah. Well, I see. Honestly, all if you're going to give him one, if you're going to give him one, two is the only one that was even close. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And the fact that Aldo was able to pull that veteran move of just taking the man down and locking him in that body triangle and just controlling the round, doing enough action so that the ref had nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, all... all Aldo was peppering him, bro. He all, was not all, coasting to a victory, no. bro. He was bashing dude's face in. And for all of you guys that just joined the feed, yes, I know we advertised the Rude Boy. We were going to be talking about IBW season's beatings. I don't know what happened. I think he must have fell asleep, but we're not sleeping. We're talking about these fights that just went down this past weekend. Jose Aldo showed motherfuckers why you shouldn't be sleeping on the veteran. If you follow us at KO3C Pod, you saw that I said this during the fight while it was happening. Like I said, man, I will always be a fan of Jose Aldo. You know, when I came up uh, training and fighting, man, it... uh. When I came up training and fighting, man, like Aldo was still on his tear. This is when him and Faber fought, you know, where he went on that streak for how many years it was where he was undefeated when he left a big old goose egg on Mark Hominick's head. Like I watched this dude like run through people. Um, Speaking about, you know, taking it back a little bit and, you know, goose eggs and, you know, all these kind of things, you know, since I was going to tell this with tonight's supposed to be guest, uh the rude boy rudy hill um i did get to make it out to a jcw show and since it was a pretty funny story i figure i might as well tell you guys what really happened when i went out there man 
we were going to tell this on the show because as we mentioned, you know, Rudy's mainly known for his time in JCW, you know, I came on out here with my only experience at a JCW show, Corey, we talked about this, had leg surgery of senior year of high school, you know, and I want to know what you would do in the same situation. So I'm sitting there, we're in the modern exchange, got my leg all cocked up, you know, on the couch back there watching the fight. As I'm doing this, I realized that the Necro Butcher is walking towards me, and I'm like, okay, well, shit, they're about to fight right next to where I'm at. Then I realized, oh, shit, he's got a light tube. And then I realized, oh, shit, I'm in a cast, so I can't get up and move. So all I see is Necro is beating this poor guy to death. Goes to swing the light tube, and I'm like, oh, shit cover up real quick because uh yeah dude it was uh it got real it got it got real gnarly real quick you know almost got blinded for a second time i mean bro it was it was something you know and and we want to talk about things that are gnarly and things that were out of the way why don't we talk a little bit about submission underground Submission uh, Underground. Submission Underground 19 went down this past Saturday, which was supposed to be, you know, they said it wasn't the main event, but the real match everybody was coming there to see was RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, former UFC light heavyweight champion, taking on fellow UFC compatriot Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Now, I'm going to preface this before we start talking about Submission Underground. Did I or did I not say before we were going to watch this that you need to not sleep on Cowboys Jiu-Jitsu? You absolutely did, and I'm absolutely going to say that I picked RDA to win. I really thought Dos Sanchez was going to go in there. I just coming, wanted on the record, in I picked Cowboy. I just want that on the record. I, I, I said I, Cowboy was going to win. Was, I was very – so – for all of those out there who didn't get a chance to actually watch the fight, it is on Fight Pass. If you got the app, go back and watch it because it was a super entertaining night. You can kind of jump around and stuff. If you're into the submission games, it was entertaining. Um, that being said, though, there was huge controversy with that particular fight. Um, they said that RDA didn't. The, the ref got caught. The ref. Yeah, the ref said that he tapped to the arm bar. RDA was arguing the fact that he didn't tap, even though if you look in the replay, in my eyes, I made the argument on Twitter that I thought it was a tap. If I was a ref, I would have stopped it just because of the fact that it was such a quick change in position, the fact that he double tapped on the leg to tap, kind of create space. It it looked like a tapping motion in the in the transition more than it looked like him trying to create space. So um, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Now I need to say this. And again, ding, ding, ring the bell. I fought before. Fuck you, Devin. Hey, before I forget, good time as any. For all of you loyal fans that have been watching us for a long time, since it's the Christmas season, next week, somehow or another, we will be joined by the return of, of Mr. McKenzie next week. Devin is going to be coming in to kick it with us. A little bit of the the OGs of this show with the new Young Bucks. Corey over here out out here with the show. I think it'll make for a good, fun show. Make sure you're checking us out live next week, 9 p.m. here on Facebook. And if you don't check it out live, 
always available on YouTube, podcast, all that stuff. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you smash that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the great action coming from the homies at Knockouts and Three Counts. All right. Now, to give a little bit of backstory to what you were saying. So, uh, as Corey said, you know, RDA got caught in an armbar. He kind of yelled, you know, as as they switched. And the ref took that as a verbal tap. Now, I saw. Well, the, no, he even made the motion I, with his. I know. Too. I know. Let me let me get there. And there was also the two, you know, push offs that he tried to do off his leg that looked like taps. Now, take those completely out of it. Now, anyone who trains jujitsu can tell you this, and I am telling you this because I've lost a match like that before. In Toledo, in the Toledo Jiu-Jitsu Open, I lost a match via armbar because the guy had me in a triangle, switched to an armbar. I tried to defend it. He went dick down, and as soon as he went down, my elbow popped. And I yelled without even trying to, and the ref stopped it. It's a known fact that if you're in a Jiu-Jitsu match and you are in an armbar or something like that, an armbar, a leg lock, a Kimura, anything like that, and you yell... Yep. That's considered considered a verbal tap. And well, yeah, because they assume that you, even if your other hand's tied up, that you're not going to be able to actually. Because a lot of times, dude, show the for tap. me, when I did that shit, I didn't even mean to yell. Yeah, I didn't even mean to yell. I just well, it, and, it, and that's the, exactly what happened to RDA, except for it was an involuntary body reaction with the double tap. He meant to just grab the leg, but because he was in pain and because it was such a quick transition, he double you know he doubled up kind of like you know you go to grab you you're playing your game you go to jump you accidentally double hit the button you know it's the same type of thing you know i could totally see that like i said i had no problem with them saying cowboy won the first time but isn't it ironic that not once but twice he beat him with two arm bars the same way the same and way, not only same arm not only that the fact that rda got lucky on the coin toss had the chance in the first over round the the second run the second run of the overtime rounds he had the first chance cuz he won the coin toss again i i mean what a what a lucky dog and then but it kind of goes to show you know ball don't lie essentially is is exactly what i walked away feeling like oh ball don't lie he won the exact same way you know like I, that's the feeling it left me with. But out of the other fights of the night, man, there was some incredible uh, per- performances, man. My standout for the uh, sub fights was Ryan Bader, man. Well, he Dude, was able he to do. Owned, he owned Anthony Johnson. Now, don't get it twisted. I mean, Rumble's never been known as a guy who is the biggest jiu-jitsu guy. But, dude, Bader did not let him fucking do nothing. Like he, my man couldn't breathe, dude. He, I he, mean, the only thing I can say positive on Rumble's defense is that he didn't get submitted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he fought off everything. Might have been real sketchy, but he fought off everything. Now, here's the question, though. This is where these submission underground things and these grappling matches are fun, though, because now you've got Rumble who just went over there to Bellator, where Ryan Bader has been the kingpin. Well, if we're looking at the series between the two, they're tied one apiece. Yep. You know, Bader got beat by Rumble, and then he just beat Rumble now. So 
I'm just well, saying that makes for a watching, pretty fun fight. I watched uh, Chael's review of the uh, the night because he put a he put a review episode up on his channel. Um, that's one thing he kind of noted too was he wondered just like I was going into the fight what would be Ryan Bader's uh, game plan was uh, the fact that he did have that loss previously to him would that carry over into this match? Um, which I think it did. I really do. But I think it didn't an opposite effect as you would think for most people. I think he, I think the Chael made an excellent point and I hate to rip on all these people that I watch, but they're just, they're vets of the game. So that's where I get my knowledge from, you know, but Chael made an excellent point that he used the fear. He felt a lot of fear in that fight especially going into the initial start of the match, I feel. That's what fueled him to do as well as he did, is it was he turned that fear into a motivation. He didn't run from the fear. He actually faced it head on and turned that loss, like you said, into a win in my eyes. Okay, so I disagree with you, and here's why. I don't think it had anything to do with turning fear into motivation. I think he came in there with motivation off rip just at the fact that you got to remember so there's been all this talk about rumble coming over to bellator everybody knows that him and bader fought there and everybody knows that since bell baders went over there except for his loss in that last fight i mean dude bader hasn't been touched in bellator mm-hmm. by nobody by fedor by nobody he's been well, that, a he's, lot of that in my eyes was as of luck based on the fact that he got put into that heavyweight tournament. He was this, he was the significantly smaller guy than all of those guys, which gave him a huge speed advantage. And the fact that he had a giant wrestling advantage over all those guys, but is that his fault? the size? No, no, not at all. I have not That's my point. That like he on paper should not be the guy who won that. And he owned all of them. A hundred percent. That's my whole point. He owned all of them. So with, with, with rumble coming in now, you've got, you know, you've got all these people saying, well, yeah, Bader kicked everybody's ass in Bellator, but now rumble's coming over there. Well, now you're getting an opportunity through this submission underground, even if it isn't a fight per se, you know, to show everybody what's up and now he's beaten them. And now you've only raised the ire for what's to come out of this. Um, like I said, it, it leaves it leaves some definite interesting things, if nothing else, man, to see what comes out of this. Um uh, another I mean personally while while we're still on the submission underground stuff though, I really do love those cars. I find them really entertaining. The fact that they're able to get a lot of these, you know, bigger name stars uh across platforms and kind of um face them off head to head. I mean, I really like the matchups that they do. I like that the UFC is willing to let some of their bigger guys compete in this. It's just, it's awesome. It really is. The whole concept of it's great. I like the combat jujitsu that, um, uh, Eddie Bravo does as well. Um, I'd like the striking elements of that a little bit more cause it kind of allows people to rethink their, their game, but for a pure, submission platform submission underground there's there's nobody uh there's nobody higher at the moment that's for sure in my eyes so 
We'll definitely have to jump into it a little bit more on another one, but they also had the combat jujitsu worlds that went down. That's something that I would like to do because I've talked about this in very, I've talked about this in a lot of, a lot of times. Um, Obviously, yes, it means you're going to get hit too, but the idea of being able to hit somebody when I'm on top of them. Yeah. Like I, I, I just like that. Um, Before we get out of here, I would be remiss not to bring up. So we talked a little bit about TLC. TLC went down on Sunday uh, I had to give credit where it's due. I honestly didn't give a fuck about this show. If you want to know my honest, <laughs> you want to know the honest truth. I really didn't give a fuck. There were like two matches on the whole card where I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That, that, you know, I, I want to see that. But bell to bell from front to back. That was one of the better t- pay-per-views the WWE's put on in 2020. Period. It's it's funny how those turn out like that. That you know, you always you're like, I you don't always give a hear, fuck. You always hear like the UFC fans will say like, "Oh, this card's a bunch of nobodies." I never, I I know only person I know is the main event, and he's lost two in a row. I'm not even gonna watch Saturday. It's not even worth it. And then you tune you tune in, and they they don't even know who to give the bonuses well, to because there's so many good fights. And you know, here's like, where I got to give kudos to WWE, right? See, right off the rip, I give credit where it's due. So they started with what I thought was the main event. They started with Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles in a ladder match for the WWE Championship right off the rip. So okay. the first fucking first fucking match off the card as soon as the pay-per-view starts, which that usually never happens. Now, I also understand why they did it. In hindsight, I think it probably would have been a better idea to do the Firefly Funhouse Inferno match um, at the front of the night, um, only because it made it very hard for, I mean, with that being the main event, like, you know, you still had that coming. Like, I just think it would have been better, you know, if you kind of switched it around, because this is where the wrestling nerd and the purist in me comes out. I say the same thing a lot when we watch fights, too. I think the title always needs to be kept here, right? Like, so to me, like, the world championship match should be at the end. Right. Unless you've got two world championship matches on a card, to me, the world championship should be at the end. I, that's just me. It's, it's, a, it's, it's what holds the most weight. That's they made that they made that argument with the Tony Ferguson fight uh, in this last event. I heard it. I heard it a lot. Should they bump that to the main event so that it would be a five round fight? You know, and that makes that's title. that's a different situation, but, of course, because the rounds. You know, but in my eyes, I hundred percent agree with you. If you're the belt holder, you're there's a reason why you're the champion. Well, you know. So we said that, but like I said, I have to give credit where it's due. So they also tied into the fact, even though I still think it's fucking stupid, fucking stupid, fucking stupid. Um, They had the Miz come in and cash in the money in the bank. But first of all, obviously not the smartest move by Miz, because now all you did was make it a triple threat ladder match, where what a money in the bank does is you're able to cash it in at any time doesn't matter even if they're in the middle of a match you can come in and cash that shit in and pin the guy and it's over with he did that and added himself in and made it a triple threat ladder match and then they both lost so yeah so i thought that was a nice twist to throw that in like that i thought it added a little bit to the match but 
personally, I mean, I've said this for years. Miz is very underutilized as somebody who self-admittedly shit all over the Miz when he first came in. The guy is criminally underused since he had his WWE title reign. Um, they did a good job with that match. As mentioned, the Firefly Funhouse Inferno match. I thought they did a good job with that. So overall, I got to give credit where it's due. Kudos, WWE. Like I said, this was a much better show than I expected it to be. Uh, next week, as long as everything goes to plan, <laughs> if there's one thing I can guarantee you this holiday season, it's that we're coming out of Christmas with a bang as Devin is going to be here with us live next week, which means if nothing else, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're all going to be in the same room. So any of you that have been watching us for a long time, all of us together in the same room for a show is always in the makings for fireworks. And uh, for all of you guys that tuned in and checked us out this week, like I said, thank you for checking us out, even though things didn't go quite according to plan. Well, well, before we do a send off, we got we got about three minutes left. I want to run through because I got I didn't get the chance to run through some of the matchups that got announced, and I got a whole handful of them over here, man. Uh, so, real quick, not to not to interrupt you, but we get, starting off, we got the rebooking of Kazmat versus Leon Edwards. That's the fight that's going to be taking place on the Wednesday night. Then we got the Saturday pay per view with Conor McGregor and um, Dustin Poirier. There's been rumors floating around, though, that that, those cards might actually take place on ABC and not not even ESPN. So they may not even be pay-per-views. It's it's kind of being floated around right now from the rumor mills. I mean, look, bro, I'm not going to be mad at all if Connor and Poirier ends up not on pay-per-view, but I find that hard to believe. Um, I, I would be very surprised as well. Um, we got the Dan Hooker versus uh, Michael Chandler fight. That's going to be co-main, co-main event that night. Uh, we got Ian Heinish versus Kevin Gaslam. We got a whole handful of people. Follow my Twitter. I'm constantly retweeting and posting. What all is your Twitter, fights. Corey? You know, tell him those things. Fight fan from the 313. If you guys watch the show every week, you would know that. Well, for our first timers, I won't be so rude like Corey. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Detroit Knockout. Make sure you're following the show at KO3C Pod. And if you haven't already done so, hit that motherfucking subscribe button so you don't miss any of the great content coming from your homies at Knockouts and Three Counts. And on another and more softer note, before we get out of here, this is going to be the last time we talk to you guys before Christmas time. I just want to wish all of you guys a great holiday. Uh, I thank all of you guys for watching with us and bearing with us through this pandemic. I know it's been a tough year on everybody. It's been a tough year on us here at Knockouts and Three Counts, and you've seen a lot of changes. But for all of you guys that have stuck it out with us, checked it out with us, all that good stuff, and even checking us out tonight, even though, like Corey said at the beginning of the show, which may be the title of this motherfucker, card subject to change. And until next time and in the in-between time, Peace. Fuck your couch.